You know, it's funny. I dove into real estate for one year when I was really uh, in my early 20s. Failed miserably. Had no idea how to sell. Really wasn't in a position. I mean, I I didn't care about anything at that age, right? Yep. And then getting into the insurance business, that first year of trying to figure out sales was, was a nightmare. Buckle up. It's the Insurance Dudes Podcast. Boom. All right. Welcome, Dan Elzer, to the Insurance Dudes. How are you doing today? Doing great, Jason. How are you doing, man? Excellent. Super excited about this. I think that you will provide a ton of value, so I, I kind of want to just dive in. Sure. But Dan, a little icebreaker question for you. What was the first concert that you ever went to? And take us. And the reason why I asked this is I used to be a musician, so it's fun to f- see where people where they went to their first concert. So take us all the way back as far as you can. All the way back. It was a a concert Super Bowl in the Tangerine Bowl in Orlando. And the headline was Bob Seger. Oh, nice. And uh, I forget who the two undercards were, but that was my first one I went to. You're our first Bob Seger. So that's super cool. So, so take us back from myself also there. So (laughs) no, it's all good. So you are not an insurance dude. Is that right? No, I'm a, uh, originally out of law enforcement, got into real estate, opened, ran a company, built it, sold it. And that sent me into doing consulting. Uh, people asked if I would come help them. And through the last 22 years, I've done executive coaching, company consulting on sales, business, financial matters. And that has taken me into other industries, one of, one of which is on the insurance provider side, talking about B2B work. I have had conversations over the years with agencies or agents, but hasn't been a big part of what I did. Right. And so, and it's funny because when we did reach out to you, we saw that it was primarily real estate and, you know, real estate agents, loan officers, insurance agents, you know, it's such a good community, such good referral relationships in that. And that's why we like to kind of mesh those worlds. But we didn't even know that you did work with insurance companies as well. So I'm super excited to dive a little bit deeper into that. And um, yeah, yeah. So let's start with real estate. What exactly, I, and I've kind of went through your website a little bit. I'd love to know a little bit about your process and, and how you help real estate agents. Yeah, well, for me, there's real simple things about any of those industries we talked about. To me, it's all about technique mastery. I think too many times people get into these industries and they kind of know things, and therefore they are shooting from the hip a little bit. They feel very insecure. Uh, they're worried about income and I truly believe you take any one of those, whether it's insurance, whether it's real estate or loan officers, it's a, it's a certainty to make money if you have mastery in, in your techniques, you know, from the business development side all the way through to, you know, gaining commitment from people. Do you know and understand the professional essentials necessary to carry that relationship forward and get a yes? When you know that, this job is a piece of cake. When you don't know mm. it, you're out there pedaling as hard as you can, waiting for someone to almost help you out. And and that's where I came in from selling my company. I had a very successful company and my people knew how to make a presentation, give a value proposition, learn and understand needs to be able to only deliver on the need and stop feature dumping on people. I mean, there's so many little things that I you know, we could get into as part of that process by which you become incredibly successful at any of those sales. 
You know, it's funny. I dove into real estate for one year when I was really uh, in my early 20s. Failed miserably. Had no idea how to sell. Really wasn't in a position. I mean, I I didn't care about anything at that age, right? Yep. So failed miserably. And then getting into the insurance business, that first year of trying to figure out sales was, was a nightmare and feeling like you're going to fail. So I know within that pain is usually where you start discovering how do I change this? So what was your story on that? Like what, what, what was the pain that got you there? Uh, yeah. I, uh, I came out of law enforcement, which I was very, I was very successful. I was in the investigative side of life. And so I was one of the best. Actually, I still carry, you know, I was one of, there's my plaque in 1985. I was the best of the best in that industry. I leave, get into real estate, do a year as an agent, get my broker's license. I wrote a business plan to open up a company, got some angel investors to invest in me. And when I tell it that way, it sounds really great. But when I tell <laughs> the truth, my first year that I was doing to get my broker's license, I was so good at real estate that when I got my 1099, I almost didn't have to file a tax return. <laughs> I mean, I was horrible. I was the worst real estate agent in the world. And then I opened up this company two months after the year goes by, I get my broker's license and find out very quickly, no one followed me to my company because I barely did any transactions. I didn't know how to recruit. I didn't know how to attract talent. And it was at that moment that my board, you know, I was about six months in, they came to me at a board meeting. They said, literally, you know, you're probably the worst operator we've ever invested in. And if you don't turn things around, you might've started this company, but trust me, you won't work for it. And that was a wake up call. And I'll tell wow. you the three things I always share when I'm up on stage of why. First one was I had what I call that's not me disease. Every time someone gave me a script, a process, I'd run it through my head and go, I don't like it. I go, that's not me. And I do it my way. The second thing in law enforcement, especially in the kind I was in in investigations, you know, we dealt with people and you know, I worked some undercover and all that good stuff. So we had to be masters of our craft to protect our lives. So when I worked for someone else, I didn't have the option of not mastering things. Mm. I had to, or I wouldn't have the job. When I get into real estate or you get into insurance or any of these, it's too optional. So all of a sudden you start allowing yourself to not be a master. And then the last one is I just literally had fears of engagement of people because my mindset was I needed a transaction instead of I need to understand someone's need. So those are the three things that I came up with to turn my company around, to attract talent. And over a decade later, sold one of the best listing real estate companies around. So, you know, those three things is what I focus on when I work with companies and especially sales management on getting the sales manager a master. It's hard to lead salespeople if you're not a master. So it's all kind of falls into those three buckets. I love that. It's so true. That. Gosh, who who hasn't felt that? That's not me thing, especially if you're running a sales team, is probably the number one objection to, hey, we don't have a script, to, hey, we got this script, memorize this script and start saying this. If they've done it a different way, the first thing, that's not me, you know, like that's not, and then allow yourself to not be a master. I love that because it is funny, especially with your background where you, you know, overachiever, and now you're in this new realm where you're not doing well. And you you had one or one of two choices is one is to get get really good at this as fast as you can, <laughs> yeah. or, or just allow yourself to be okay with hey maybe this is never going to work. Um, yeah. And to that point, when you look at 
this. You know, I always like to make sure people understand that that's not me disease. When I say that people will come up to you and say, yeah, but I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. And so what I share with people is a little story. I'll go, have you ever walked in a retail store and someone walks up to you and says, may I help you? And you, you don't want to be bothered and they keep coming by. Are you sure I can't help you? And you kind of get irritated, right? They're like, yeah, I don't want that. And then I go, have you ever walked in a store when you need something and someone doesn't approach you and you've actually said, what's wrong, man? Doesn't anyone want to do a sale today? And they go, yeah. I go, there's the problem. When you walked in without a need, sales technique seemed weird. When you walked in and had a need, sales technique was expected. The problem that we have as salespeople is we don't have a need to buy or sell our product. So when we run the technique through our head, we're like, that's weird. But if we had a need to buy insurance, we had a need to buy a house, sell a house, you know, all of a sudden our whole approach changes as the consumer to wanting an expert. I have questions. I'm looking for a value proposition. But whenever I don't have a need, yeah, you're, you sound weird to me. Get away from me. So getting people to understand that our job, we can't use ourselves as a sounding board for technique because we don't have a need to do whatever we're selling. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's a great point, especially when you're selling things that are expensive that you normally wouldn't buy. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's a tough hurdle to overcome, but that is, it's a hundred percent true. Never, you got to get somebody out of the mindset of you're selling to yourself. Like, I wouldn't buy that. Well, of course you wouldn't. You're not in the, the, yeah, the the situation that needs that. That's a great point. What about allow? Technique's there for a reason, right? You know, (laughs) because it works. Right, 100%. Yeah. So tell me about that time that that you kind of came up with the allowing yourself to not be a master. Well, as soon as, you know, again, a little analogy I share on, you know, from stages, you know, did you, how many people were not in this, this business and everybody raised their hand? Well, the business you were in before, did you ever go home and complain to your significant other that you had to do something? Everybody's like, yes. And I go, you didn't want to do it, but you did it. And the reason you did it is if you didn't, they'd get rid of you. In this business, as soon as we don't want to do something, we just don't do it. We, or we find another way, you know, like prospecting, for instance, everybody knows if you're in sales, you have to prospect. And I, I boil prospecting down to a simple statement, meet more people. That's all it is. If you meet more people, ask the right questions, you'll always find enough business. So if people say, I don't like to prospect, I, I, I'd rather it come to me. And I go, well, then you're in a wrong business. And then whenever we talk about the mastery of that and allowing yourself not to be a master, Now I will go out and I will attempt to prospect or to build business in an improper way. I'll get back a negative response. That will be a failure. I'll feel horrible. I don't want to do it. And I always say in in any of our industries, there's too many people out there. This is what I loved about reading your story on on the front page of your website. There's too many people out there that will sell to our fears as salespeople. They'll give us the shiny button, gold key, because that's what we're looking for instead of the job. So I found myself not doing the right thing because I didn't want to. And then all of a sudden, whenever I just had that moment, you know, I was going to be fired. I was going to lose everything I started. I kind of went back to my law enforcement days and went, wait a minute, how was I the best at what I did? I was the best because I practiced, drilled, rehearsed. I was videotaped and critiqued, and I wasn't allowed to go out and risk my life until I met a certain standard. Well, in real estate, that was the job I chose. I never practiced. I never videotaped myself. I never tested myself. And when I went out, I was uncertain. 
So as soon as that became real to me, I turned around. Now, by then I had a company. I turned around and said to my, my sales team, and Jason, the thing about this is I didn't think they would agree to do this. But I went to my <laughs> sales team and I said, hey, guys, you know, if you're, I only had four or five people. I said, if you're struggling, I'll come with you on an appointment, show you how to do it. I truly thought that that was just going to be motivational, that I would be there for them. Well, that day, someone asked me to go on an appointment. <laughs> yes. Changed everything in my life because here's someone that I've sent to a class and said, do it the way they taught you. So I couldn't go out on that appointment and do it wrong. I had to do it the right way or they think I'm, you know, I'm a hypocrite. So I literally practiced for two nights, just like before. So whenever we went on that appointment, I could do it the proper way. And they came back to the next sales meeting and said to the team, if you're struggling, take Dan, he's really good. And they started taking me on appointments. <laughs> Love it. Literally, by having to do it the right way, I built a new habit. I got very, very good at it. And then I realized, you know what? If I would have done this from go, I would have been so much better off. But instead, I had, that's not me. I kind of didn't want to master things. I wanted to do it the easy way. And now the way I do it is the easy way because you have to get past that hurdle, those mental blocks to build a new habit, to build a new you know, muscle, if you will. That's how, and I know that resonates with so many people and it definitely does with me because in my 20s and especially when I did real estate and everything, I was the worst at sales. I just, I didn't know what to do. I didn't realize that there was a science to it. It's almost like I thought you're either good at it or you're bad at it. You know what I mean? There you go. And never realized, hey, you got to follow a process. I didn't even relate it to like a sport or or anything else where, hey, if you practice, you can get better. I didn't even really realize it. But um, I love that you put yourself under the gun. You forced yourself. Now, not only do you have the pressure of like trying to sell because you got the dude next to you, but then also you got to impress the dude too. So, you, you, I mean, you're getting pressure from both angles. I always called that what I did was I put myself in the position to have to role play with the real person in front of one of my people. You know, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I mean, you talk about the worst position I could be in. And I just followed the right way. And here's the strange thing about salespeople. We did not win the listing I went on. We were told, <laughs> sorry, goodbye. And my salesperson went back and said, he's great, take him. And what I learned from that was just having a process following a sales process, using visual aids, discovery, doing the things the right way, they noticed that and said, this is amazing, even though we didn't win the, the business. So as I went back out with the next person and the next person, I just sharpened my skills and I started to win the business. And then they emulated mm. that. And before you know it, you know, we built one heck of a company because everybody, every manager I hired as I grew, everybody had to be a master of the craft or you couldn't work there. And so when my people would go out to earn business, they weren't afraid. They knew they could get at that table. They could sit down. You know, we were big about, we never talked until we discovered. It's all yeah. about, you're the hero of the story. If I can pull out of you the three things, two things that are really, really challenging to you, then by gosh, I can, I can solve that. And, and literally that's what I've carried into these other industries. And, and speaking of the insurance companies, I mean, you know, you're in the business. It, they get commoditized constantly by agents. You know, what's the, this one's X dollars and this one's a little lower. So here's the one for you. Right. And if, and if we don't, you know, speaking to your, your, your agents out there, if we don't discover what the person needs and understand the winning differences of the carrier, then I'm not going to match you up very well. And I might win one real quick here, but if they have a claim and it doesn't go right or something goes south and that, and there's not the support for it, 
a lot of business owners, me being one, will look at my agent and go, how'd you let me into this problem? Why don't I have what I need? So I'm a big fan of how can I find out what's important to you? And then how can I match you up with the winning differences that will solve that problem? Sands the money. I mean, you know, policy difference in price is nothing if something goes wrong. You know, right. if everything goes right, you, you want the cheapest one. As soon as something goes wrong, by golly, you want you want to make sure you have the right policy. To, as, as a business owner, I, I lived that. I was the consumer given the cheapest policy, having a claim and paying a ton out of my pocket because I didn't have the coverage I thought I had because my agent just said, here's the cheapest one. This is the one you should go with. Right. When I took over the agency that I'm in, we literally had an agent that was in here prior to me that did that, said, hey, you don't need all this coverage. You want to pay less because they wanted to pay less money. And it's like, yeah, take this off your car. One month after they took the coverage off the car, they got in, totaled the car and they had full coverage on this vehicle for five years prior. But that month they decided to take it off to save money, gets in a total loss. Good. And now they're pissed. And it's like, exactly. and those are the things in my world that when I work with people, you want to be the best of the best in this industry, make it about learning and relationship and then matching things up. Right. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I think we cheapen sales when we commoditize it. You know, we have too many people that get into the sales industry now that, that will just be open with me and, and go, I don't want to be called a salesperson. And I go, why? And they go, well, and I go, so you have no pride in being a salesperson you see no value in it. What do you want to call yourself? And I just think that's a shame that, you know, we've allowed, you know, that, that profession to be, to be lessened when in reality, it is probably the most important profession in our service economy. You know, if I can find the right salesperson that provides the right thing for me and I'm going to be in great shape, but if I don't have the right thing, if that person doesn't know how to know my needs or doesn't know how to discover where I am, I'm going to end up in trouble. And I was the novice. You know, I always say, mm -hmm. we're the doctor. We've got the license. Our, the people we work with are the patient. Don't mess up that relationship. You're the doctor. You should be able to diagnose. You should be able to understand and then deliver. And too many times we let that go. We, we say the exact same thing. You are the doctor of insurance. That's so funny. It's true. You got to prescribe it. And you're spot on too with the, with the economy. I mean, the sales is the, is the heartbeat that pushes the blood through the economy. So it, it's an incredible responsibility for us. Um, I'd like to just to kind of break down so people understand what would be the difference between selling as a commodity versus finding the need? Okay. Uh, when we commoditize something, you know, I always use the definition when I'm on stage with people to be commoditized means that the consumer has deemed everything equal, leaving only the price as the differentiator. So the problem with that is, you know, going back to insurance, if I, you know, work comp, let's just say, because that's one of, the, one of the organizations I work with is work comp. Let's say I'm, I have a high uh, injury rate because of the type of industry I'm in. And every carrier I've had has just raised my rates. You know, my mod goes up, my rates go up. I'm at risk losing, losing some, some business. And nobody sits down and asks enough questions to find out how do we stop the injury? How do we stop the problem? Another one is, you know, back to work in, in that industry. So there's so many little things that people consider commoditized that if the carrier I'm working with has the right things, I will come in and ask you. So, Jason, tell me about, you know, I know you're in whatever thing. Tell me about the claims you've had. Tell me about 
the challenges you've had when it comes to working with your current carrier. You know, what are expectations you had that weren't fulfilled when those claims happened? What would have been a better outcome for you? And then I, get, I learn enough, then I can come back and simply say, so if I can provide you with a carrier that has a on-site this, back to work that, blah, 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 would that improve you in the marketplace to be able to be more competitive in these bidding? And as soon as they say yes, it's no longer even a question of price. You know, no one goes price. But if we lose our ability to discover and then value proposition, what do we come in with? We come in with, you know, quotes. The worst thing in the world in any industry is a quote presentation. You know, the only thing that that's out of our control is someone else's price. You know, if it's real estate, the market price is real estate. When when salespeople and real estate come in with a, a market analysis approach, I always go, you haven't differentiated anything because you're only talking about the one thing you have no control over. If I'm an agent, I'm coming in the door with spreadsheets. I have no control over those prices. But what right. I do have control over is understanding your need, matching you up properly and solving a problem. That I have full control over. Love it. To be continue. Hey, Jason. Yes, Mr. Craig. That was another awesome episode, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, if people want to get a little bit more action and, and learn how to do uh, write 100000 in premium yes. off of even the worst internet leads, where could they go? They can go to live.teledudes.com. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Are we going to be there? Yes. It's a weekly call that we're doing right now. That will It's live, and it will show you the process. The entire process is super awesome. I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Sign up right now. Live.teledudes.com. Live.teledudes.com. That's live.teledudes.com. Hey, Craig, there's a new community that we are starting that I cannot wait to tell everybody about. It is our live texting community where you and I are going to answer people's questions and give them free content right are you kidding me we get to talk to them yeah which is awesome but they have to opt in they have to text us at 520-214-2219 that's 520-214-2219 nice i'm gonna gonna respond to these texts i'm gonna respond to them for sure live i'm into it too it's gonna be awesome and it's a it's gonna be our new texting community where we're gonna get back to everybody that we can and drop some crazy content free content and free um the calculator that you just came up with Mm. that's right the calling calculator sales material i mean everything for insurance agents this is it it's the best texting community out there for insurance agents well what the heck is that number again i can't remember it it's 520-214-2219 that's okay. 520-214-2219. I love it. I'm going to text it right now. 520-214-2219. All right. I'll see you later, Mr. Jason. Bye, Mr. Craig. Wait, do they even listen to this on the radio anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Nice. Uh, all right.